Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. In this episode of the Happier at Work podcast, I speak with Kate Marie O'Brien all about boundaries. Now, this is something I was really fascinated to talk about because it's something I suppose I didn't really know about what boundaries were until only the last few years that uh, I realized I had no boundaries and learning. It's it's still taking it a day at a time. but it's really interesting to understand how it might show up. So you might think that you have strong boundaries in place, but actually there's various ways that it can show up. So let's just dive right in. So welcome Kate to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Thanks so much for having me here. Absolutely, my name's Kate Marie O'Brien. I'm a Kiwi based in Bali and I am everything passionate about women's leadership. And when I talk about women's leadership, uh, yeah, it's executive leadership stuff, but more than that, it's who we are when we switch on that inner leadership muscle to cause the changes that we want in relationships, business, community, families, like every area of our life. So it extends beyond just being in a business context. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I mean, it it makes total sense because at the end of the day, we're all humans and it's not a case of you go in to work and you are one kind of person and you come out of work and you're a different, you're the same person going into work. And I suppose it's finding that balance across all of different areas. So today we're going to be talking about boundaries and boundary setting. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about what that actually means? Yeah, absolutely. So A lot, it's interesting if we are, when I talk with women who are quite high-functioning women, high-functioning women, they are up to stuff, they have got, you know, great jobs, great careers, a lot of times people don't see themselves as being a people pleaser. A people pleaser that is not putting down boundaries, that is over-functioning, that is over-accommodating for other people's needs. And they often don't relate to the terminology of being a people pleaser. And they're like, well, no, I don't people please. You know, I'm really up to stuff. But when we actually look at it and we look at what is the nature of people pleasing and what is the nature of an absence of boundaries, then a lot of times people, women who are extraordinary women, super high functioning, go, oh, shit, actually I am. I really don't have boundaries. I am doing too much for other people. And then they start to realize that, well, actually a lot of the tiredness and the exhaustion and the frustration and the overworkedness and this kind of sense of being on like a hamster wheel, it's a byproduct of a lack of boundaries. It's a byproduct of being a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. So I thought let's start there and let's actually look at what the nature of a people pleaser is so that maybe you can have a look at it. So if you boil down what, so people pleasing underneath it if you were to say what is the personality type of a people pleaser you could probably sum it up with one word which would be nice (laughs) people pleasers are nice and I'm going to be the first person to put up my hand and say that I was riddled with this for most of my life and it's still something that I've got to be aware of because new little layers pop up that kind of, that it's unexpected. And I'm like, oh, okay, no, I get to say no here or I get to, I get to speak up here, Yeah. right? So the 
if we were to say that the personality of a people pleaser is summed up in the word nice, we can also then maybe think, but isn't that a nice thing? Isn't that a great thing to be nice? Well, yeah, but when you kind of peel back the, the top layer and you look under the surface of people pleasing, what is actually revealed is basically like a bit of a tangled mess going on. Yeah. And so even though it feels really altruistic and like, yeah, we all want to be nice. And, you know, as women, often we're brought up and trained to be nice and to be kind and to help others and to care for others. So we think this is this altruistic, great thing, but the it has a dark underbelly. <laughs> and if we look at the dark underbelly, it's it's tangled in obligation, in relationships that are set up that are messy. Yeah. In unclarity and actually in frustration and tiredness and exhaustion and and has a lot of impact that we may not realise until we start looking at the tangled mess underneath. Things like over functioning, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in family life. You know, we talked before, you said about leadership, how leadership doesn't just exist in the workplace, it exists everywhere where we are, where we show up. So workplace, over-functioning, doing too much and taking on too much of a load and not having boundaries in what you're doing can cause under-functioning around you. So this is the thing mm. with over-functioning causes under-functioning. And if you're a classic over-functioner, like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take it on. Yep. You can rely on me. I'll be the answer to everything. Then what it does is it, it as a byproduct, it sets up under functioning. And this then will also show itself in family relationships or in friendships where one person is super over functioning. And this is what I see classically with women who are super high achievers is that they will over function and then other people will underperform. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. So if I'm going to be the one that's always going to take responsibility for it, and if I'm going to be the one that, look, if you if you don't do it right, I'm not going to provide coaching to create the opportunity and the environment so that you increase your skill set. Now I'm going to step in and I'll do it for you because I know mm. that I can do it. And then other people will just naturally start to underperform. Yeah. I've got a number of women I'm working with, three women, sorry, at the moment that I'm working with, businesswomen who have created themselves to be the central point of everything to do with their business. Yeah, yeah. And these women are extraordinary women that are exhausted and overburdened because they're the central cog. They're like every road, every road leads to Rome. Yeah. They are Rome. And everything within their business leads to them. And to extract them out of different areas, there has to be an entire plan put in place to increase the skill set, knowledge, systems and performance of key people around them because these people are underperforming. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so saying all that, we think that people-pleasing is nice. We think that a lack of boundaries perhaps um, is going to preserve relationships. That's often why, people, why women are reluctant to put down boundaries with someone because they don't want to create an upset in a relationship. It actually does the opposite. It creates a situation where we're doing too much for others. We're feeling pissed off. We are creating people around us that, that aren't performing well. Therefore, we get even more pissed off over time, but yeah. hold that back. Because here's the kicker. We're not allowed to communicate that we're pissed off. Yeah. Because, we, because we're nice. <laughs> so, it, so it becomes quite a vicious cycle. Now, there's a few things there that you said that I wanted to pick up on. So 
I suppose the one that, that springs to mind initially is what you talked about, about the women who you're working with and how they are central to their business. And um, like anything I've learned about business is if you can take the person away from the business, then there is a business. But if you can take a person away and there is no business, then then there's no business. So their business centralizes around them, I think is, is the word that you use, like centralizes around them. If you take them out of the business, then there is, you know, there, there's actually, there is no business because they have to be in the business in order for it to function. Yes, That's not a business. Exactly. Yeah. And, and for this, I think, I, I wonder if the starting point is, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you are in there at the moment and everyone is reliant on you and you are the responsible for so many things and even all of the knowledge sits with you, you want to even just maybe zoom back and have a look at how do you actually see yourself? Because if you're seeing yourself as I'm the, and a lot of this stuff goes on in the background as a background reoccurring dialogue that you, we have about ourselves, okay. but we, <clears throat> but we don't address it. So if you're seeing yourself as, and these are the conversations you're having in the back of your head, no one else gets it. I'm the only one that can do these things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, like all of those conversations and also you, the identity is that, I am the answer to all of this, then you've got to promote yourself to a different level within the company. That's what I've found. I love that. I'm the only one who can do this. No one else gets it. I have to be the person to do it. And um, the other thing I wanted to pick up on was this whole concept of over-functioning versus under-functioning. And I suppose that's something I had never considered before. Um, certainly boundaries is something I think I only found out about in the last year and a half two years I didn't even know they existed before that so very obviously I didn't have any boundaries in place a lot of the time and it's it is that whole thing of like you're not just suddenly like suddenly I have all these boundaries it's learning how to establish them learning how to first of all know what they are and secondly communicate what they are to people so that they know that they've crossed a line or that they've crossed a boundary. Um, but I, I had never heard of this whole idea of over-functioning and it makes total sense. You know, if you're stepping up to the plate and if you're picking up on er everything that everyone is doing, like whether it's in a work context or like say in, in a personal context as well, then there's no room for people to, to kind of step up and, and take over. Absolutely, absolutely. And how else might people recognize that? So if they're, if they are over-functioning, like what are the kind of the symptoms that might show up? Yeah, exactly. If, so if you're a person who has a lot on your plate, we're just going to even stop there with that point. If yeah. you're a person that has a lot on your plate, it could be within your business, within your career, and also within your home life, then you want to look at and take this as an emergency red flag to actually step back and ask yourself some honest questions. Are you taking on too much for people around you? And maybe even we're going to adjust that question slightly. Are you taking on things for other people that they could be doing for themselves? And as women, it's easy to do that. Even in families, like if you look at it, I know my parents, you know, I've got two teenagers and how easy it is as a mum or as a wife 
to be doing things for other people, including my husband or my kids, that actually, you know what, they could really do that themselves. I've challenged myself with this over the last five years and progressively as my kids have got older, going, you know what, that's fully on you. That is fully on you. And I'm going to, this This is my favorite term, go hands off. Mm-hmm, what, I I, what, what I mean by that is sometimes we're so hands in things that are other people's responsibilities. Mm. And we are trying to relieve them of their pain for whatever reason. And, you know, if if we see them as someone that can't do it, or if we see that, you know, they can't figure it out or they don't have the skills or maybe it's going to make them frustrated, then if we see ourselves as the rescuer and the martyr, then what we will often do is we'll fly in and go, hey, you know, I'll make this easier for you. Mm -hmm. Let me help you out there. And it feels so innocent, but then we do the thing for them. And we go, this is where I'm – you can't see me because this is audio, but I've got my hands in the air. You go hands in their stuff. You get their, your hands into their business. Yeah. And then you do it for them, which means, guess what? They don't learn it for themselves. Now what you've set up is that you're going to do things for them when they do the whole victim, can't do it, you know, I don't, can't figure it out. And it sets up a relationship based around that. It happens in parenting, it happens in um, marriages, it happens in business. And therefore, the person will start taking on less and less responsibility. So, yeah, one of the warning signs is literally if you've just got a lot on your plate and you're feeling really stretched, you want to step back and ask yourself some really honest questions. Are you doing things for other people that they could be doing for themselves? And therefore, if you are seeing that, then why, you know, then you could start with one thing at a time, start stepping back. You don't have to do the whole thing at once. In fact, if you did, it would feel um, could feel quite overwhelming. Yeah. What if you just chose a couple of things where you saw um, what are you doing for them that they could be doing for themselves, and then just you choose one or two, and then create some new boundaries, create some new agreements in that area. We'll talk about agreements in a minute too. Yeah. So you know we can make some new agreements in that area and um, put a few new things in place. I remember. Um, you know, years ago, it used to be just the pure fact that I always did the banking. I always did the banking. I had all the access to the bank, to the bank details. And every time my husband needed some money, he would come and, I mean, so trusting, but he would come and say <laughs> to me, you know, how much money have we got? Or, you know, can I have some money? Or can you transfer some money for me? And I always thought, you know, that was great. I always thought that was super great. And then I actually realized, I don't like that. Mm. I don't like that because he's, you know, how old he is. He doesn't know how to access money. Yeah. And that's just like such a simple thing. But if you then multiply that out across all the little areas of marriage, you know, I was the central point. If I died, you know, tomorrow, there would be so many things he had to learn. So we we talked about it. So here's my point about agreements. A lot of how we had set up relationships and the principles of what I'm talking about are expand into any area of your life how we had set up those things within our relationship were unspoken agreements the unspoken agreement of our relationship was that in so many of these areas I would take on full responsibility and I would do it and I would be the center point for it and the spoken agreement was that he didn't have to be part of it yeah right and so we had to see what the unspoken agreements were and be willing to speak them out loud and to readdress them and renegotiate them. Mm. 
it's the unspoken agreements and relationships, whether it's intimate relationships, career relationships, friendship relationships, it's the unspoken agreements that direct everything about how that relationship goes. Another word that's come up a few times is the word responsibility. And I'm so interested in this. Responsibility is one of my values. And probably as a result, I will step in and be like, okay, so what can I fix here? Or what can I help with here? Or, you know, things like that. And so that in itself will drive me to try and do things. But in a work context, I often find a lot of frustration when other people don't take responsibility, whether it's they don't own up to a mistake that they made or yeah. they don't try and fix something or, you know, things like that. So that's, I suppose, one area that I'd like to to drill into a little bit more. And the second area is this idea of unspoken agreements, because that is so interesting. It in a so I'm doing a master's in organizational behavior and I suppose what we might call that is a psychological contract it's not something that's been verbalized in any way but it's kind of a an idea in your head of what both parties are agreeing to and especially you know and it, it, this kind of ties in with the responsibility piece as well in a client relationship where they just ask and ask and ask for stuff and you don't say no you yes. are telling them how to treat you you're telling them what you're going to pick up and take responsibility for and that becomes the norm and it's so difficult then to come back from that now in my corporate life I you know I worked with clients all the time I and I learned early on in my career that you need to manage clients that you need to be able to say no and you need to kind of set clear boundaries as to what you will do what you won't do and if if they ask for more work or if anyone in fact asks for more work and you don't have the capacity yeah. to do it you have to say okay what's the priority what what can i work on and what can what needs to come off the the yes. list if you like um and i kind of learned that early on and took it for granted then that that's everyone operates in that way and in a couple of other companies that i worked in subsequently they they didn't seem to operate in the same way, but I didn't realize that I took it for granted that that's how everyone works. But people yeah. were overworking and they were taking on responsibilities that they didn't necessarily need to take on. So I suppose in a roundabout way, I'm I'm asking, can we drill into that whole area of responsibility and saying no? How, yes. how do we actually take the steps to be able to do that? Especially when you've set up this psychological contract with someone to say, I'm always the person who does the banking. I'm always the person who says yes, no matter what clients are asking for. And I will work extra hours in order to fulfill their needs. And maybe that's something we can talk about in, in, in a minute as well, about your own needs versus other people's needs. And, and how when you say yes to other people, what you're saying, you're saying no to yourself effectively. Yeah, absolutely. I want to start with this piece is that we absolutely train people in who we are and how we're going to show up and what we're okay with and what we're not okay with and what we're available for and what we're not available for. The responsibility piece is we train people in all of that by what we say up front or by what we neglect to say up front. Ah, ah, that's the key, I think. A lot of people neglect to say when something's wrong. And 
And what I find, certainly in my personal life, you let someone away with something small and you think, oh, I'll let that one slide. And then it builds up oh, and it builds up oh, and it builds yes. up. Yeah. yeah is that part what you just said was so, so juicy. I'll let, let that one slide. slide. <laughs> dangerous thinking. Yes. This is da- it's dangerous thinking. Yeah. And I want to say this. For a people pleaser, p- people pleasing is the most dangerous thing you can do. It is a dangerous ground. And the moment you hear yourself say the tiny little wolf in sheep's clothing thought of, <laughs> oh, just let that one slide. Yeah. You want to hear alarm bells go yeah. off in your head because that is, you're entering a war zone. Yeah. What you're doing is you're saying, you're literally saying, hey, you know what? Anything to do with my boundaries, anything to do with that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can take whatever you want and I'm going to show you how much I'll overgive. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the moment you hear something like that little, um, I call it slippery thinking or dangerous thinking, the moment <laughs> you hear that, you want to, like, literally start hearing some alarm bells yeah. in your head going off to go, actually, no, it's not just this once. Yeah. Just this once means none of my word matters. Yeah. Just as you were talking and right before you said just this once, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I thought, especially when it comes to clients. So like that, the kind of I'll let just I'll let this one slide probably sounds more in a personal context. But just this once from a client perspective is that that's the slippery slope. That's the danger where, oh, well, you know, but you did it the last time for me. I asked you to do it and you did it the last time. So like you're training people how to do it you're training people to actually expect that from you yeah and, and here's the thing people know what they can get away with with someone yeah and they will absolutely go to the end of that rope of what they can get away with even if they're a great person yeah. it's just human nature it's like oh so and so is a kind person so and so she's flexible she, she doesn't it doesn't matter to her yeah and i'll tell you what it does not strengthen the relationship mm. It does not strengthen the relationship, key point number one. Key point number two, they actually don't think better of you. Yeah. Right? So because what is what is the fear that drives that behavior? The fear that drives that behavior is if I say no, then it's going to damage the relationship. That's the key driver fear of the people pleaser because there is an unspoken rule underneath that I'm not allowed to say no to people. And so... But here's the actual, the opposite is true. The opposite is true is that boundaries and clear upfront communication actually strengthens relationships. I know that the people who are upfront with me, I, I know I can trust them. There's a sense of trust because you trust. And I think this is one of the most incredible things for relationships to be able to trust that when you say something, when you ask something, that the person is actually going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Rather rather than say one thing to your face and then get pissed off with you behind the scenes and go and talk about you. Yeah, yeah, so true. Right? So if you start training people and get in the habit or, you know, start choosing to, to decide the level to what you're going to play at, the level who you want to know yourself as. Do you want to know yourself as the kind of person who has a backbone, who is known for having a backbone, who's known as someone who's genuinely trustworthy, not just a doormat and a walkover. Therefore, you want to start training people in that. 
And a part of that is you want to start, and this is the first piece, is actually knowing what your needs are. Yeah. Because if you've been everything to everyone for so long, you're not going to know even what your needs are because you've been so focused on the external world that you don't know what your internal world is, yeah. right? Because your, your locus of focus is outside of you trying to manage that person's expectations, that person's upset, that person's upset. So part of it, and go easy on yourself because it just does take a little bit of, you know, it's a transition period. Part of it's stepping back and going, all right, I've been acting in in an unhealthy way. I thought it was nice. Now I get it's actually pretty dangerous and it has a really big impact on me and I'm now not okay with that anymore, right? You want to get that it's dangerous and start talking to yourself in those terms. And then start to go, okay, well, the first step is I've got to start actually paying attention to myself and my needs and what I think and feel and what's okay for me and where my boundaries actually are Mm. because it's going to take a re-getting to know yourself. Now, one of the great indications of when your needs have been unmet for whatever reason, probably because you just didn't put, you know, communicate it up front, (laughs) is you get pissed off. If you notice you're starting to get pissed off, cynical, annoyed at someone, or just annoyed, it's it's often a really great indication that, oh shit, there was, under that anger is an unmet need, and probably because I didn't actually communicate something up front, right? Um, so therefore, you get to go, all right, what is this one telling me? Where did I, where did I not really get clear on what my needs were and communicate them, and I stepped over something, right? And and so then you can start to know where to pay attention and where to start, just start communicating your needs because it really is a muscle to be built. Yeah. So it's knowing your needs, first of all, and then communicating your needs. Yeah. And being okay that when you communicate your needs, it's going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. 100% it's going to feel uncomfortable. And you are going to um, think that you're doing something wrong you're going to feel concerned that you're going to damage the relationship. All of this stuff is absolutely going to come up because literally you're you're retraining an old pattern that was probably put, to be honest, if we went right back, it's probably created in childhood. Mm. So, you know, you're, you're, you're recreating a new pattern, you're recreating a new way of showing up, a new way of operating, and you will feel um, like an asshole, <laughs> like you're not allowed to say that, yeah, like you're going to yeah. damage the relationship. All the fears come up. And then even afterwards, after you put down a boundary and you say your thing, you'll probably have what I call a little bit of a boundary hangover. <laughs> you'll feel like crap <laughs> afterwards. You'll start second-guessing yourself. Knowing that means you can expect it so that when it comes up, you can see it for what it is rather than actually thinking you are an asshole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's, it's interesting what you say, this whole thing about being pissed off. So, it, you know, I, I suppose if I think back to my corporate life, it's when you are or you hear other people bitching, moaning about my client wants me to do this or my client did this or I am doing this for my client or whatever it might be, then that's when you need to recognize that that's somewhere where your boundary has been crossed that you need to have been up clear or you need to have said no to that quite frankly you know unless it's part of your job and you're just well maybe you just need to leave your job then if you're pissed off with having to work with the client or for the client or whatever it might be um but that's a that's really a really good indicator and it's then I suppose in personal situations as well it's like if you're pissed off you need to say something to someone so 
um, I suppose if someone has been doing that all the time, how do they initially understand what their needs are? Is it is it simply a case of thinking about the times that they're pissed off or kind of documenting like, oh, that actually quite pissed me off and maybe I should have said no there instead. And then thinking, okay, so when that happens, I need to communicate this or I need to go back to that person and say, do you know, I said yes, actually, I can't do that. Mm. How does, is you know, is, is, is it, I say, is it as simple as that? It's not easy, but is it as simple as doing that? Yeah, it's as, it really it is a simple process. And you're right, it's not easy, but it's simple. And I want to, um, we can talk about a few things in this but I want everyone to be clear that we're kind of making up some steps now. It is just that simple. There's so many simple ways that you could do it. Yeah. But also let's have a look at some things. So number one, I would say is getting really clear for yourself on what you're actually committed to. And I know this is before an action step, but you want to get clear for yourself because everything's going to then come from this of why this is actually important to you that you do address and and challenge and shift this as a pattern. Because unless you get clear on that and you're kind of anchored into a new commitment, then you're probably just going to keep defaulting back to an old pattern. Right? And so so you want to almost get like denumbed to how much of an impact it actually has. Because I tell you what, the exhaustion, the tiredness, a lot of it is just doing too much that you don't actually have to be, it's not really yours, it's not your stuff. Yeah. So really clear on that and getting clear on the impact and the cost that it's having on you. And instead of seeing and challenging any part of you that thinks that it's about being nice and being kind and being a good woman, right, and actually realizing and using different languaging, People pleasing is dangerous. People, this was my mantra for a long time. People pleasing is the most dangerous thing I can do. Yeah. And so, therefore, that's going to give you a foundation to stand on. And then from that foundation, yeah, the second bit would be starting to understand what your actual needs are. And that could look like anything, but let's make some stuff up. So, let's say it's in um, work, in the work environment, you might actually sit down with pen and paper and take um you know an hour out to think what are your needs and you might look at where are the areas that feels like it's too much that I haven't had boundaries in you know it may be as simple as you know client cancels depends on you know what what your workplace is client cancels or they don't show up and they just constantly get rebooked to another time and there's no real clarity around um when you know time frames for people to cancel before the session is lost you know, yeah. it just could be as simple as that. And just actually identifying few key areas that you know are having an impact on you that you could claim back some power in and start with just a couple of areas and then create a little bit of an action plan around it. And then the key thing is do it. Bloody well do it. Yeah. Don't just don't just think about it. Actually do it. Go and put an action plan in place. You know, I remember years ago, um, just, you know, putting in the plan in place around what happens when a client wants to cancel, cancel or reschedule an, a booking and just got really, really clear. And, you know, it happened about two weeks ago again and a client didn't turn up on the call. And then, you know, I totally got it. She sent a big message of all the reasons why and, like, um, can I please rebook? And it was no. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, and 
and but the thing is it's all it's all very communicated up front as well when a new client comes on they get in a full agreement of everything of hey this is how we do things around here yes yeah this is how we do things around here so you know when it comes she knew what it was she knew that I was going to have a no response but she gave it a go yeah now in that moment this is this is the crux of it in that moment if I go just this once <laughs> yeah exactly exactly I'm screwed yeah. I've literally then just said to my client hey by the way everything else that I told you about myself and what I stand for doesn't mean anything yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but guess what she's been on time for every other appointment she's on time for because I get the, I get the messages she's on time five minutes early she's yeah. sorted out her time management stuff course, so what yeah. I did was I didn't train someone to underperform it actually became a coaching a coaching conversation I said to her you know you've got to figure out what you need to do on your side to make sure you're on on the call with everything in advance set up ready to go at least five minutes early yes she had a breakthrough in her own performance because I didn't lower my standards <laughs> yeah no, that's that's brilliant. And that kind of takes us back to something that we were talking about earlier, where um, it's see it as a coaching opportunity or a teaching opportunity for someone else. If you feel the need to kind of step in and take over, why not have this as a learning opportunity, even if it means things go a little bit wrong or they're out of your control? It's it's the perfect opportunity to teach someone how to treat you or how how things are like you say this is how we do things around here you know it's not okay that that client cancelled or it's not you know all of those kind of things it's a perfect teaching or coaching opportunity yeah brilliant absolutely are there any are there any other tips that you'd like to share before we kind of round things off I think probably just reiterating on that last point is that teaching people this is how we do things around here yeah is really grabbing that one thing and even if you wrote that down on a piece of paper and you carried that with you and you put it on the back of your phone you get to teach people how you do things and in fact at the core of something at the core of it a boundary is literally communicating who you are yeah yeah it says it says this is who I am this is what I'm up for this is what I'm available for and I know for a fact that when I'm dealing with people who are very clear and upfront with their boundaries and their communication, I love dealing with them because I can trust them. I know how we're going to play. I know what the agreements are. I know the container, so to speak, that we're operating from because we're all on the same page. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel unsafe. In fact, it feels very safe. Yeah. However, there's a couple of people that I've known that, uh, you know, I know they're not upfront. I know that they say one thing to my face and and they're not saying what they actually mean. They say what they think is needed to be heard. Okay, and so, you know, we've, yeah. you know, and that feels so unsafe in a relationship because you're always thinking, is this person actually believing what they're saying or are they saying that it's okay? But meanwhile, in the background, they're resentful. So, you know, a lack of boundaries, a lack of being upfront, it does the opposite of what we actually think, i.e. we think it's going to destroy the relationship. It strengthens the right relationships and, and, and it has the other ones run a mile, which is a bloody great thing. Yeah. So then over time, even though, yes, it does go through a transitional period and even though that transitional period can feel uncomfortable, at the end of the day, what you're going to come out the other end with is strengthened relationships, great relationships, incredible relationships that it actually makes it easier 
to operate within and it just makes it more fun and you've got more energy bonus point yes yeah brilliant now you said something else there about resentment and me and i suppose the key to i i initially identifying this because maybe people don't know they're overworked and they're they don't know why they're feeling out of balance they're feeling like they're giving they're giving it their all but they're not somehow they're not fulfilled and yes. it, it, it is noticing this. So you called it like if there's any sort of upset within you and that could feel like resentment. It could feel like you're pissed off about something. And it's taking the time to be like, Whoa, wait a minute, that's that's actually not OK. That's it. Recognizing it to begin with and and just thinking, oh, there's something something's not right here. And then, like you say, thinking about what action can I take, but doing it. Not just yeah. planning, plan. oh, I need to say that and I need to do that. Actually, just go out and do it, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. the, it's, it's hard. It is actually hard to do that. Yeah, and upfront communications. You know, a lot of the times in relationships, the things that we really need to say, we often bury them and they be, it becomes, I know, Gay Hendricks, who's a relationship, conscious relationship guy, amazing dude. Gay Hendricks talks about when we don't say the thing that we need to say, and it's basically like burying dynamite ah. and it create, and it's like there's a dynamite, like a landmine underneath yeah. and it creates unsafety because you don't know at some point you're going to step on something. It's yes. going to be an explosion yeah. because the thing got addressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it feels uncomfortable to address around. this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you see it in relationships, you see it, you see it in marriages, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. There's so much buried dynamite underneath. Yeah. And it's about uncovering that and kind of, and you can't do it all at once either, because then you're going to have a big explosion. You have to kind of take it step by step and be like, oh, what am I not OK with here? OK, let's yeah. re-educate myself and the other person I'm in a relationship, because relationship is always just about the two people involved. Um, yeah. Brilliant. I loved having the conversation with you. Um, there's one question that I ask all of my guests who come on. What makes you happier at work? Oh, what makes me happier at work? I would say being in my zone of genius. Yeah. <laughs> doing what I really like doing. And then that is a byproduct directly of every conversation we've just had today. So if I'm not, if I'm doing every conversation we've just had, if I'm not doing any of that, if I'm doing the opposite, then I never get to be in my zone of genius. And, you know, like I've got a large team, I've got 12 full time employees who work for me. And to get to this point really took me addressing because I was the typical all roads lead to Rome. Yeah. I was the typical person that did everything for it and I had all the knowledge. So it's it's taken real determination to build leadership and capacity in the people around me and continually go hands off what they're doing. But if I see something that is needs coaching, and that's the key piece that I'll step in to provide coaching yeah. to have them increase their performance, but I'll never step in to do it for them on any level, even just this once. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just this once. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. Dangerous. <laughs> yes. Um, so Kate, if people want to find out more about you, about what you do, what is the best way that they can reach you? social media at Kate Marie O'Brien I'm on Instagram I'm super active on Instagram and uh, Facebook so really awesome training I've I run she which is Australasia's largest women's leadership empowerment event 
freaking love it. We have cool conversations. On day two of our last She, on stage, I did an entire training. Well, it's recorded and it's it's available for free. If anyone wants it, you That's can go amazing. to katemarieobrien.com forward slash training. And, I'll put, and that in the the, I'll put that in the show notes as well so people yeah, can access it. And there's actually nothing to sell on it. Like there's nothing for sale. Just go and enjoy the training because it's, it's that good. Brilliant. That's amazing. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I love the conversation. Love what you're up to as well. That was Kate Marie O'Brien talking all about boundaries. And I hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as I did. I certainly learned a thing or two from Kate. So I wanted to recap on some of the key points. But before I do that, I just wanted to share from my own personal experience of boundaries. When I learned about boundaries a few years ago, there were a couple of different concepts that they had. So they were kind of really rigid boundaries, people who were very inflexible and knew their boundaries and communicated them and really stuck really strongly to them. There were kind of the fluid boundaries as well. They were the in-betweener ones where you know, sometimes it's a boundary and sometimes it's not. It's kind of you're allowed to cross. And then there were others which just had completely no boundaries whatsoever. And I think, to be honest, I fell into that third category where I didn't even know what boundaries were. And that's not to say I didn't have any, but I just didn't know what they were and certainly wasn't communicating them up front. Back now to the discussion with Kate She spoke about over-functioning and this, I suppose, is the key nature of people who are people pleasers and the key nature of people pleasing. And let's not forget, people pleasers are nice. They take on responsibilities for other people. But the impact of over-functioning is that it causes under-functioning around you. So people don't have the opportunity to step up to the plate and really perform. So if you're a people pleaser, you think no one else gets it. I'm the only person who can do this. And you tend to take an awful lot on and you have a lot on your plate. That's one of the key red flags. So if you are taking on too much, you need to really watch out for that because that could be a sign that you are over functioning. This whole idea of hands off and allowing people to take on things that they really should be doing for themselves. And this whole concept of responsibility came up as well. And relationships really should be built on on taking responsibility for your part in the relationship and not taking responsibility for the other person's part. Be that a personal relationship, a business relationship, any type of relationship. We talked about agreements as well and the idea of psychological safety and the the key point being that it's it's really important to have the upfront communication so it's communicating in advance that this is what you want and this is what you need uh, because oftentimes there are unspoken agreements and those need to rise up to the surface and actually become spoken agreements we train people in how to treat us This whole idea of I'll just let this one slide or just this once, that educates people on what to expect from the relationship with you. So if you let it slide once, that is a slippery slope. Oftentimes we are afraid that if we say no, it will damage the relationship. 
But mostly this is the opposite of this is true. It actually creates stronger relationships with more trust and people know what to expect from each other. The key thing when it comes to boundaries is knowing your own needs. And sometimes it's been so long since you've really looked at and addressed your own needs that you might forget what they actually are. So it's about taking the time to really dig deep and understand your own needs. The second point around that is communicating your needs. It's going to feel really uncomfortable to do this when you first do it and there will be a transition period. I loved what Kate had to say about a boundary hangover. But the foundation upon which everything is built is deciding what are you committed to? Why is this important? So really knowing your why. And sometimes become, we become a little bit numb to this. So we're doing too much that we're numb to the impact of what is actually happening around us. The whole concept of this is how we do things around here. That's communicating who you are. And it feels very safe to be upfront with people and to be yourself and to be true to yourself and be your authentic self. As always, I love hearing feedback about any actions you've taken as a result of listening to the podcast or any feedback about the podcast itself or any questions you you would like answered. Um, definitely keep those coming in. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien. You should find me easily enough. I'll be running a challenge in my Facebook group called Happier at Work in February. More details to follow all about that. But if you want to check out the group, you'll find it under Happier at Work or you'll find it under Empowerment Coaching. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.